0: This is Guardy with Clear Life Combat for KHEA. Today I have the opportunity to speak to Jake Williams before he makes his professional MMA debut at Fury FC 55. Coach Kike and Jake, so where do y'all
1: train out of? I see Y'all shirts? Uh, Algarza's Premier Martial Arts, uh, Dickinson, League City, and Pearland.
0: If someone hasn't been there before, what's the culture at uh, Algarza's Premier Martial Arts?
1: Um, I always describe the culture when I'm trying to uh, explain it to people of you know, we're a Christian-based martial arts school, um, but we have no egos at our school. That's, like, my biggest thing is in, in the martial arts world, sometimes there can be a lot of egos, and it can intimidate people a little bit coming in, thinking, like, oh, these guys are just going to beat me up. But um, we don't really have that at our school. We're more about coaching. I was
0: going to ask, isn't ego pretty important when it comes to, to MMA and fighting?
2: Uh, I believe ego is something you should always keep in check Yeah. because there's a small there's a small difference between ego and arrogance. Uh, you never want to be arrogant. And it comes off as ego sometimes, but you're you're just not being a, a good training partner, good coach, no egos, no arrogance, but you got to have just small enough to where you can be confident the confidence. in your skills. That's the mm-hmm. word right there, confident.
0: Okay, so there's an event taking place. It's this Sunday. Um, what do we have going on?
1: I'm making my professional MMA debut um, at Fury FC 55 uh, at the Houston Arena Theater, so really excited about it. I got a big opportunity, uh, especially with the opponent that they gave me. Who are you fighting? Uh, John Cunningham. He, a uh, former defensive tackle for the Atlanta Falcons in the NFL, training at Jackson Wink Academy out in Albuquerque, so he's already got a name coming in from the NFL. He's training at one of the... You know, best gyms in the world, so we have an opportunity to go out there and make a make a splash in our debut.
0: Yeah, this is your your professional debut. So, I, how long have you been fighting? And um, you know, what did that amateur career look like for you?
1: Uh, as far as competing amateur wise, it's only been like four years, I think. Mm-hmm, um, years. But we went five and two. When I won an amateur heavyweight title with Fury. Um, but I've I've been doing. You know, some form of martial arts my whole life. My my dad being a Green Beret, I kind of just grew up with combat stuff.
0: Yeah, just been around it. Yeah. Kind of grew right. up in it. Okay. And uh, we got Coach Kike here. How long have you been working with Jake? Uh,
2: four or five years. Uh, it's been great. Uh, I like that he trusts me because me being uh, so much younger than him, you know, I'm 24, he's 35. But he still puts his trust in me, and I, I really appreciate that. very thankful for that hard worker could listens that's that's the main point I don't care if someone is not very good oh Jake is good he's making his (laughs) professional debut but yeah uh, the big thing in in being a fighter is you have to learn how to listen because if you don't listen you will not succeed because you have to make sure you take everything in from everyone whether it's a training partner a coach or someone that just came in and saw something that you might want to work on which is very important what's that game plan look like for Sunday uh, work on our range work on our jabs something we worked on uh, We put an emphasis on this camp on grappling because there's something we've had a, a couple holes in so uh, this camp was very uh, Intensity influenced and grappling influenced, but of course we never uh, forgot about what we're good at which is our hands on our feet Yeah,
0: you know the so five and two as a as an amateur You know, generally, how many amateur matches and, and, uh, you know, fights does somebody have? I guess it just depends, right?
1: Mine was um, pretty lengthy, I guess, for a heavyweight. Like, a lot of heavyweights will do one, maybe two amateur fights, and then they they head off to the pro. Um, But it was important for me to do more amateur fights because the thing about the amateur division is that's where you learn what you need to learn about yourself. And, you know, my first two fights I had, they were super fast. Like, I think my first fight, I KO'd the guy in 33 seconds. And my second fight, I KO'd him in 39 seconds. But, which is great. And, you and I mean, we would all love to have an easy, fast night at work. But at the end of the day, like, I know that as I start climbing up into the higher echelon, like, those fights don't come around. So, you need to know who are you in the third round? Who are you in the fifth round? And so my third fight <clears throat> i already i got to experience that pretty quick i fought a 6 foot 9 Muay Thai striker on what, 2 weeks notice i <laughs> think it was in san antonio which is his hometown <laughs> yeah. and uh i went out there and got to go three hard rounds and um you know learn learn about myself cuz i think he landed three like flush into the side of my head head kicks and it, it didn't even daze me. I immediately went back and, like, was throwing hands right back at him. So that was an important lesson to learn, being able to take him down in the third round when we're both tired and stay on top and finish the fight strong and pick up the win. And then my next fight was for the title, and that was a five-round war where I fought a uh, Forrest Mudge, who trains here out of ACS. ACS. Very and good. he's a very, very tough guy, like – um the first right hand I threw, I dropped him, and I was like, oh, we're, we're back to these quick knockouts. And, yeah. you know, he not only survived, but he got up and we ended up with a five-round war. I had six stitches in my eyebrow and all kinds of stuff from that one, but I learned that now I can dig deep and I can go five, five rounds. Um, And then the two most important lessons came after that when I got my first two losses, and both of them were against guys who were good uh wrestlers. And, um, Even though I wrestled in my youth, I hadn't really wrestled much since like 2001 when I was a sophomore in high school. And um, these guys, you know, I I got caught up in the uh, I got to go out there and knock everybody out and trying to force it. And I let myself be open for for takedowns. So then uh, I learned how to lose, learned how to handle. I'm a very competitive person, but I had to take a step back. And say, okay, I have an opportunity to show the kids at Premier Martial Arts and to show the kids at, at my own kids how somebody should lose and not be down on myself and not, you know, take it as a learning opportunity, figure out what what did I do wrong and then come back better from it. So then our next fight, we went out there, and uh, even though I fought with a lung infection that I didn't tell my coaches about. <laughs> Don't remind me, man. Don't remind me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I went out there, did what I had to do, uh, won the fight. I got kick of the night for head kick. I landed on him, and now we're back on track.
0: Yeah. So, you know, this, this past couple years has been difficult, and, you know, there was a time where there weren't fights that weren't allowed to happen, and people training and trying to make just ends meet. You know, what did that look like for you?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I'm still a full-time police officer, so in um, law enforcement, we everybody else is locked down. We still got to be at work, you know. It, right. It doesn't it doesn't matter for us. I mean, the world could be on fire, and they're gonna ask us if we're gonna be on time for work. <laughs> so uh, it didn't change much for me, as far as training wise. Uh, the gym was shut down for a little while, but um, I have basically my own uh MMA gym in my garage. I have Everything I need for strength and conditioning, everything I need for bag work and everything else, so I never stopped training i, I kept training, yeah, just had to do it on my own as well
0: yeah, just keep keep it going you know yeah. I, I was you know I'm friends with some guys you know who fired and training and stuff, and I mean they were sneaking into to gyms or having things at people's houses or just you know getting it in whenever mm-hmm. you can, right yeah, well, yeah sir you know what would you say you learned about yourself making that transition um like hey, I think I'm gonna try and start training to be a fighter
1: well it was something that I had already started getting in um, and then in my 20s I got I got married and my now ex-wife didn't uh, wasn't something she supported yeah um, and then you know when, when I got divorced I was like okay I need to uh, get back into this because it was something I always loved I, I was fascinated as a kid by ancient warrior cultures and and the history of gladiators and when I was little, that's what I I wanted. There's two things I wanted to be when I grew up. It was a professional lumberjack or a gladiator, and they don't have gladiators anymore, except now we do an MMA. Yeah. Um, I was
0: gonna guess a Ninja Turtle or a Power Ranger. (laughs) That was like me right there. No, (laughs) man, I was
1: like, for some reason, like, the thought of just walking around the woods with a big old ax cutting down trees, like, appealed to me, I don't don't know what it was. But, um, no, and, you know, I, I, I'm i the head defensive tactics, handcuffing, and baton instructor for College of the Mainlands Police Academy, and uh, I believe in leading by example, and, you know, I, I'm always harping on the cadets to, you know, make sure you're getting in the gym and you're getting this continued hand-to-hand combat training because um, this, the TECOL, the state, requires so little hand-to-hand combat training for police officers. It's 40 hours. That's, that's all they're required to do, and... Um, that just doesn't cut it in, in the real world. So you can sit there all day long and say, hey, you need to train, you need to train, you need to train, but at the end of the day, you got to show them that you're doing it, not just be a, uh, a paperback you know, instructor that just went to a little five-day instructor course and now you're teaching people how to fight. So I had found Grandmaster Garza and told him, hey, I'm a defensive tactics instructor and I want to bring the best hand-to-hand combat training to law enforcement that I can. So we got to talk in when we first met, and he had a similar vision mm-hmm. as me for law enforcement. So started training there, and it wasn't long after I started training there where uh, Grandmaster Garza actually approached me about getting in the cage and said, hey, would you be interested in doing this? I'm like, I've always wanted <laughs> to do this, so. Yeah. And it uh, it worked out perfect because you know, one of the biggest reasons I hear for people not training is they don't have time and I'm like you know I'm full-time police officer I'm an instructor at the academy I'm a dad I'm a strength and conditioning coach I'm in I'm getting into photography and videography I'm gonna start blacksmithing again and I train enough and fight enough to compete at a professional level so I know you can give me two one-hour sessions a week you know so but you can't say that thing unless you're leading by example so
0: yeah, and how important is it to have that support? You mentioned in that relationship before, you just didn't have it. You know, mm-hmm. you can find time if it's important to you, but, I mean, you know, now you have the support from, you know, friends and family. How important is that?
1: Oh, it's it's huge because, um, you know, you can, it's very easy to let things like that hold you back from doing anything, you know, like how many people out there have something they really want to do, but... They feel like if they try to do it, they're going to get pushback from the people that are around them, and it it might make them not want to do that. So having the, the support of everybody is huge because, and and especially like my family, like, you know, a lot of people are like, well, oh, how do you find time for all this? Well, my, yeah. kids, my kids love training, so it's not only training time for me, but it's bonding time for them. I mean, they will choose to go to PMA, like when I have them on the weekends, and I'm like, Hey, do you guys want to go to the park? You guys want to go do this? And they're like, Can we go to Dickinson PMA? And like <laughs> so we go over there and I get to get my work in and they get to get their work in, and then at the end I train them and let them get some martial arts experience in too. Yeah. So it's fun, it fun works there. Out perfect. It it's fun. I mean,
0: fun. there's there's mats, you can jump around, roll around. I mean, just uh anytime that I've taken my so my son has trained there and he's he's nine. Now, but my my daughter, you know, at the time she was younger and she wasn't old enough to do any any classes, but she wanted to get out there because mm. they're having fun. you Yeah.
1: Know? Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is martial arts is fun, but it, it's also great for kids because you learn the discipline, you learn the respect, you learn the work ethic. Right. Yeah. And growing up wrestling. That's where my work ethic comes from. I always tell parents, if you want to get your kids involved in a sport, get them involved in wrestling because they're going to learn. What work ethic is like that's that's yeah. not a sport that you can half do it you know what I mean? yeah
0: kike what do you think is the best i guess combat sport background for an mma fighter and specifically a heavyweight or is it different depending on uh, where
2: you're at i think wrestling is always a good base to have because like jake jake said he, he he helps you with intensity helps you uh to grind to hey i'm gonna be forehead to forehead you know, body to body, locked in with someone for at least six minutes as hard as I can. And sometimes you just can't replicate that with any other sport. But I will always think wrestling is, is the best sport ever. Yeah. I, I wrestled myself. I had great coaches, you know, Armando Ortiz at PMA, Cliff Fredwell from the compound in Georgia, Brian Tolston, my great wrestling coach, Coach Joseph Forsman at Vichy Wrestling Club here in Lake City. All of them trusted with my life. If they tell me, hey, man, you got to jump off a bridge to get this takedown you better believe I'll jump off a bridge and get the stake down. <laughs> you know, it's it's great. It's a great work ethic uh, intensity, and it just prepares you for life because there's so much adversity you can face on the mats, and it's the greatest sport.
0: Yeah, and that's the kind of trust I think that you have to have. I mean, they're put you're putting your life on the line at the end of the day, going in a cage with another guy, seeing who's going to walk out victorious, but that trust between a coach, you know, your coaches and, and a fighter, you have to
2: trust them. How do you build that? It's just, just spend time with them. There's times that, you know, we spend more time with each other or your teammates more than you see your family, especially when you're actively competing. For example, when I wrestled, I was training before school, running during lunch sometimes, training after school, go home, do homework, go to the wrestling club, finish the wrestling club, go to PMA and train my hands. So I will see my parents maybe one hour a day. I'll be like, hey, dad, good night. (laughs) Or, hey, good morning. I'll see you later. You know, so is that a relationship that you get on that day-to-day basis? And we just spent so many hours together that you build that relationship. And if it doesn't work, that's what you have to work on the communication, which what I talked about earlier is he listens, I listen, we we feed off each other, we communicate, whether it's with the other coaches, the other teammates. And if you don't have that communication, there just won't be that bond or that trust that we have. So you may not listen to me if I'm sitting uh, cage-side for you to throw a jab, if there's not the trust is not there, you just won't do it.
0: Yes, Jake. Um, I've I've talked to some fighters and I've asked them about the walkout, the adrenaline. You know, how do you handle that with the the fights that you've had? Um, have you gotten used to it yet, or is it still the same like the first time you walked in the cage, being like, wow, this is surreal?
1: No, it's um, to me the fight is the fun part. You know, like you put in all the hard work in the camp and the fights, like that's your reward. You get to go out there and do that. The the only thing that ever makes me feel Any kind of I guess what you would call nerves is I just don't want to underperform with all the people who sewed into me, you know, like it's not just Me sacrificing time. It's my coaches my teammates like my teammates are there taking taking my shots You know taking taking punches and kicks from me and they're not get they're not getting anything for it They're just coming because they like to come so and then you know all the the time that friends and family sacrifice me not being at the house because I'm training you know, I don't want to let any of them down by performing poorly, but when it comes down to, like, what's going on in the cage, you know, when I was uh, an officer in Oklahoma, I mean, I was oftentimes point man in uh in, in search warrants with well, on our you know our SWAT team, our tactical team. So it's like, what do I have to fear against one other guy in a cage with a referee and a set of rules? You know, like. For me, that's that's the fun part. Like I'm not afraid of anything that's going on in the cage. I just don't want to let everybody down that put yeah. so much time into me.
0: Yeah, being a being an officer, there's these other situations where you've been in where that's that's the real uh, a real situation. Right, mm-hmm. yeah, with danger, or other uh, outcomes as well. So, you know, yeah. how is it is it easy to balance that? You know, police police life and work and, and training and in the cage and just separating that. I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean now it is being at the college now. It's it's completely different than everywhere else that I worked everywhere else that I worked were High-crime high-volume Agencies and now I'm at the college where it's laid back and you know I don't I don't have to deal with all of that stuff anymore and it, it leaves more Time more opportunity open for me to focus on being an instructor and, and being able to teach what I want to teach to the cadets and um you know, Dan Blackford is our director over at that academy and you know, he trusts me one hundred percent with the defensive tactics program. He never comes in and says, Hey, you gotta do it this way, you gotta do that, you know, you gotta do this that way. It's he knows that I know what I'm doing when it comes to hand to hand combat and he just lets me do what I need to do. And luckily, you know, with Grandmaster Garza being so pro-law enforcement and, and, and so supportive of law enforcement, now for the last, well, it's gotta be the last year or two, mm-hmm. um, we actually, for the Day Academy, PMA is closed during the time that I'm teaching them. So instead of being at the college with, you know, not having a whole lot of, you know, real martial arts equipment, uh, we've been going to Dickinson PMA and I've been training the police cadets up there and, and Kike actually comes in, and helps and uh, um, other teammates and coaches come in and we've made a lot of changes to, cause T. Cole says like the bare minimum that I have to teach them, mm-hmm. um, but it's very vague. So it'll say like, I have to teach them hand strikes, but it doesn't say like what hand strikes, you know? So it kind of leaves it open for for me to teach them. So 13 years of law enforcement and doing martial arts my whole life and now fighting professionally, it allows me to take all of that And figure out like what what's going to be good to teach these guys what's going to help them in the short amount of time that we have them and we actually um instituted wall work now uh which is something that i never worked in any academy i was in and um but it it's one of those things like as i was fighting and finding out how important knowing how to fight when your back is against the cage or a wall or how to control somebody up against the wall i just had like a light bulb one day that was like we need to be teaching this to the police officers. Like, what if they get pinned up against their car? What if they get pinned up against the wall? They need to know how to fight dealing with this. And so Kike being, you know, not just my MMA coach, but my wrestling coach, I went to him and I was like, hey, I want to start doing wall work with the cadets. And we started adding that in there. It's been, it's been big for them.
0: I saw that a message in the group. It's like, hey, the cadets are coming in. You know, Dickinson PMA, if anybody's able to make it. And some of the other teammates – they were able to come out, and then I, I saw there was another one that's like, hey, they're going through the gauntlet. I need to know what the gauntlet is because oh, I've man. I've seen some things, and it's not fun. If you hear, hey, you're going through a gauntlet, it's not going to be a, an enjoyable time, right? But it's, it'll be beneficial. What, they, what is that?
1: So the gauntlet, um, the one that we run is actually comes from uh, we go out to UT Systems and um, B-Cave, and we help with their defensive tactics program and they were running this gauntlet, and I was like, oh, this would be fun to do with our cadets. Fun, <laughs> yeah. so, this will be, be fun. Yeah. Beautiful chaos, <laughs> right? So uh, basically, it's um, it's stations, and they start off with a minute of mountain climbers to simulate you're chasing a suspect, and then at the end of that minute, now you have to confront that, su- that suspect. So you go from a minute of mountain climbers to a minute of striking against a, uh, striking sparring against one coach, and then another minute against a different coach, and then you move into the other room and you have a minute of grappling, and another minute of grappling, and then you have to effect an arrest at the end of that. So it ends up being five minutes worth of work. Um, and when you're grappling, you're not in a nice position. You're usually on your back with with the coach in side control, and you've <laughs> got to try to get out and escape.
2: <laughs> the best part is when you tell them you feel how tired you are. You're gonna feel like that in just 20 seconds of real life combat mm-hmm. and they're like oh my goodness <laughs> yeah it, it seems yeah, like
0: it's... it could be a, a reality check or a wake-up call yeah. for these um you know starting they're starting their career that's mm-hmm. that's right? the
2: best part Well, the few times that i helped jake is you see their face change from i think i can do this to oh there's so much stuff i need to learn and we do have some people that come back of course we want everyone to come back so they can up with their training but when you see that face change their their posture changes it's like hey i i do need to know this because now i do realize this is someone that is helping me but can also really hurt me if i'm not paying attention yeah you know and we won't hurt them but it's like hey i, I need to be able to be full body mind and spirit hey i'm here i need to learn and it's great to see that that change in uh, reality for them because they need to know. Hey, I need to learn how to fight or protect myself. Yeah,
1: it's it's one of those things. Like I, I tell them all the time that you know the greatest MMA coaches in the world all have YouTube channels with tutorials on how to fight. And if they think that people who don't exactly like law enforcement aren't practicing and learning these things, then that's very naive, and it's going to get them hurt because they're going to end up coming across somebody that. May have the uh, may have learned the skill, but they haven't learned the the discipline or the respect uh, side of of it. And now you don't want to find out in in a life and death situation that you don't know how to fight. So, you know, we I do several drills with them before we ever even get to the gauntlet to show them where their combat Mm -hmm. conditioning is at. Um, And most of them realize that it's not where it needs to be. Because at the end of like a two-minute or three-minute drill, which is gonna be their, you know, average time for backup to arrive, and if they if they're in the county, even longer than that, and they're exhausted fighting a bag, I'm like now, yeah. imagine the stress of <laughs> this is another human bag. being who doesn't want you to win the fight, and you have all the stress levels of knowing that I have to win this fight, and imagine how much more tired you're gonna be now, and. Mm-hmm. It's my, my belief being a strength and conditioning coach at the Iron Den, my specialties as a strength and conditioning coach are uh, conditioning for combat athletes. And one, because I wanna help sew back into, the, into Premier to, to help train my, my teammates. But also because in my opinion, police officers are combat athletes. And in the, the world of law enforcement, most either don't train at all, they train like a bodybuilder. They train like a powerlifter, or they train like a 5K runner, which I'd rather them do something as opposed to nothing. But that's, you know, I wouldn't train an NFL wide receiver the same way I train an NFL lineman because they have two different jobs to do. So if you're not competing in powerlifting, if you're not competing in bodybuilding, the specificity of that training doesn't line up with law enforcement. So mm-hmm. you should be training more like a combat athlete if you're a law enforcement officer. So I've spent God, like seven years going through all these different schools and training certifications to be an expert in the field of training combat athletes.
0: There's two things that come to mind. One, the memes where it's like the bodybuilders and then you'll see like a BJJ this black belt yeah. and it's like, how do I explain to somebody that this guy, the, the black belt, mm-hmm. could take out this,
1: this bodybuilder, right? The mm-hmm. Justin Gaethje meme? Where yeah, he's like, yeah. Got his glasses on. And he's, I'm literally the guy in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> and, then,
0: and then the other thing, I think martial arts helps you realize you don't know what the other person knows. You, if you don't know mm-hmm. them, it's a stranger on the street, maybe pre-getting on the mats, rolling, fighting, sparring, or whatever. Be like, oh, I could take that person if I need to. You don't you don't know know. what they know. You know, it puts a different respect on situations and deescalations and not being confrontational because that person may have a skill that you don't.
1: Yeah, I tell them all the time I'd much rather talk somebody into a pair of handcuffs than force them any day. I I tell them and this is where the ego thing comes in is that um, I fight other trained fighters. I don't have nothing to prove against some drunk guy or something like that on the street. Um, if I can talk him into the backseat of my unit, that's what I'm going to do first. But if you put me in that position to where I have to go to that, then I'm very capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. But just like you said, you n- you never know who somebody is. You know, I'm 260 pounds, but when the cadets spar me, it, they're usually shocked at how fast I am and how agile I am for somebody who's 260 pounds. And I'm like, well we are out there <laughs> you know you can't just like be like oh he's he's a big guy so he's gonna be slow and i'm gonna be able to wear him out and that's not always how it works
2: <laughs> yes i <laughs> hey, mean you still surprised me too sometimes i'm like you shouldn't be able to do that <laughs> <laughs> hey so here's a comment this is from uh diego reyes
0: who's a police officer with texas city and he yeah. does the uh, the videos for fury submission and he was yeah, out yeah. there for the ufc fight pass invitational producing some really cool content that's as nice. well yeah. i love diego he's yeah he's, he's a great uh,
1: guy yeah he, he's one of my favorite people to.
0: He said, verbal judo is the best form. Verbal judo, as, a, <laughs> as an officer, you just talk to him, be like, hey, let me level with you and, yeah. and just make that connection and, instead of having to just go straight to, to force or trying, like you say, force someone in handcuffs.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's not in our job description. I, I tell the cadets all the time, it's not your job description to be a jerk. And at the end of the day, a police officer is a public servant. So we serve the public, we're not above the public so we have to it, we have to have that authority but not be overbearing to where we start crossing that line you know and that's where there's so much um miscommunication between the public and the police department like they don't understand why we do things the way we do things and sometimes uh, you know as officers we don't understand we don't know that person's background they may have had a bad experience back in their life and that's why they're acting a certain way right so mm-hmm. But it takes communication to help fix some of this stuff that's just going on in the country right now. But, you know, police officers got a very, very difficult job to do. And um, I would love to, at some point in my career, be able to open up some uh, use of force training and allow some members from the public to come in and, and just see what it's like to be in the shoes of a police officer and it might help you understand a little better why we do things the way we do things
0: that's called use of force yeah use of force so I've seen some stuff like that on TV I think where it's like hey you have the reaction time someone comes up to you it's, it's something like that
1: yeah it's just um understanding different situations right like um it's really easy to Monday morning quarterback um, a cell phone video that you're watching that you didn't even see the whole story of because people don't pull their cell phones out right when the police pull up. People pull their cell phones out after the call's already gone really south. Yeah. So you don't see why did it get to that point in, in the first place. And then everybody wants to be like, oh, well, the officer should have done this, should have done this, should have done this. And they don't understand that all the variables that go into a, a confrontation on the street, I don't know if you got buddies that are right around the corner that are about to show back up, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So... It's officers having to get something under control in the least the, the manner that's least likely to cause injury, but we have to get a scene under control quickly. And until you've actually been in the officer's shoes and you understand that you have split seconds to make life-changing decisions, it's not as easy as people think it is in the moment.
0: You know, that, uh, that reminded me of this training I did. It was at the arms room years ago. There was a gentleman named Spencer who actually trained at ACS, mm-hmm. and you were scheduled to fight him yep. at one point, and then mm-hmm. that, that fight didn't happen. But So he was in, uh, he was in the military, mm-hmm. and he would do some, uh, some training, you know, uh, combat, and it was a mixture. We actually went out there and did some filming for it. It was a lot of fun. So it was a mixture of, you know, uh, firearms and hands, you know, and stuff like that and those situations where you see someone coming up to you, hey, how's it going? And it was they gave us white shirts and a marker. And said don't you know here's your firearm you, you got this much time to make a decision yep. it was um that was eye-opening because it wasn't always what it seemed you know yeah. people have not a sucker punch but just you know they may have a knife or something they pull out and then you don't know so yeah. you don't have much time to make that decision
1: i think it was arizona or new mexico i can't remember which video i watched i'll, I'll see if i can find it and send it to you but they had a um an activist group leader right mm-hmm. that was after a police officer's badge for a, for a shooting. And they invited him to go through some use of force training and he accepted and he went out there and he went through three different scenarios. But one of the scenarios was a similar scenario to what happened with the officer that he's trying to get his badge taken away. And the activist guy ended up shooting the suspect in the same almost the same situation and they were like right, well why right. did you shoot him and he's like well he got in my space you know he he was he was threatening me and it's like well yeah <laughs> I mean, like na- now na- now you kind of understand where the officer is coming from you know I, I think sometimes people in their mind they think that all police officers are like ex-military ex-special forces people who you know they they watch too much Hollywood and they think that police officers are just these super highly trained tactical people that should be able to win every single fight without having to to go to their gun and it's not the case you know most cadets that I get coming through the, the academy have never even been in a fight so
0: some people are they watch Reno 911 <laughs> <laughs> become a police officer. yeah yeah so that's not
1: <laughs> it comes from both sides right <laughs> yeah and I mean uh it comes down to tools in the toolbox you yeah. know like uh, I handle a call completely different than another officer might handle a call because I, ha- I know what tools I have in my toolbox to choose from. So it's it, it's just about more training. But unfortunately, staffing is really low. Funding is really low. Training isn't free. And then, you know, if you're sending people to training now, you've got even less officers on the street, you know, so it's, mm-hmm. it's not in a, 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 the environment isn't in a good place for the officers to get the training that they need to get. And that's what, Hopefully, down the line at, at PMA, you know, me and uh, Grandmaster Garzo would love to have a just like you would sign up for BJJ. Uh, police officers would have their own class that they could sign up for that would be only for law enforcement. Nobody awesome. else would have access to this class. Uh, nobody else would be able to see this class. And we're just going to teach them stuff that work. You know, no none of this uh, fancy looks really nice when your Uki's helping you out kind of stuff, but real world stuff that works.
0: Yeah. I feel like the, the police uh officer unions and the even the different uh, you know, Dickinson, Lamarck, they get behind that and even fund that and pay that for the for them so to to get that training so they can be a better officer, just a better person as well. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: it's I mean it, it changes everything yeah. when when you've had when you've had Uh, proper training Mm -hmm. you know Uh, I think it was uh, Jocko uh, Mm -hmm. Jocko willing Mm -hmm. said that I think they he said that they and when he was in the seals they were trained for eight months for a two-week mission you know yeah and it's like complete opposite in law enforcement I get I get 40 hours during the Academy to teach them batons handcuffing how to fight standing up how to fight in the clinch how to take people down how not to get taken down how to get back up if you are taken down how to search people I have to cover all that in 40 hours, and it's just not enough And that's like a career. Yeah. That's like for your career, right? Mm -hmm. And and you may do some continuing education or something. Yeah, Yeah. unless you choose to do it on your own. Um, TCO governs what you do, right? So police officers have to get 40 hours of continuing education every training cycle. But TCO doesn't dictate where those hours have to be spent. So it's not like they say, oh, Mm -hmm. you got to get 40 hours, but 20 of those has to be in hand-to-hand combat. Doesn't work like that.
0: If you're just now joining us, this is K H E A, and I'm talking to Coach kike I'm talking to Jake Williams, uh, out of Al Garza's Premier Martial Arts. There's a event taking place this Sunday. That's Fury FC 55 at the Houston Arena Theater. Jake's going to be making his professional debut. Uh, Jake, I wanted to ask you because I see pictures and kike I see pictures of you as well doing some training. And we talked about ACS a little bit, and they're they're right here. I've mm-hmm. stopped in before as well and and, and trained. Um, is it normal, I guess to make friends or what's that uh that m m a community like? I've seen you at i think even at war
1: at yeah. you know, one time you know it's a small community i mean it's not, there's very few people on this planet that are willing to to uh I can't remember who I just heard somebody say this but they're like we step in the cage half naked in front of everybody and we're putting everything on the line to to go out there and do this and there's not many people who are willing to do that, so it's a uh, a small community and it's it's a, a fairly close community and you know We've talked about egos before I don't have an ego so um, When I went to train at war, it's because a war fighter beat me the only two guys who have who have beat me in MMA have both come from war and uh, Coach Copley reached out to me and was like hey, we come up want to come up here and do some training Absolutely, and I made the drive up there to tomball to go do some training with them and um, Forrest Mudge, you know, I fought him for the amateur heavyweight title and it was such a When you have a fight like we had like you can't come out of that cage Not having a level of respect. We actually exchanged numbers that same night and We were both driving to church the next day and he actually shot me a text message He's like man I feel like I got run over by a <laughs> truck and I was like well, I feel pretty pretty much the same, yeah. you know, and yeah. um, and then that led to um you know drew uh getting to know drew the head coach over there Mm -hmm. and then getting to know the other fighters and then uh mikey patterson reached out to me and said hey on uh on sundays we're doing open sparring if you want to start coming down so we started going down and getting some sparring in with those guys and it's it's always good to cross train you know you get so used to your own teammates um like i have some teammates uh like jacob avery we've sparred each other so many times we, we know what each other's gonna do so then a lot of our sparring round becomes like just moving trying to mm-hmm. trying to figure out like how do I do something different so he doesn't catch me but when you go train with different people now you get new looks
0: yeah what is, what is that like for you you, you have fun Kike when you get to go train oh, other it's, gyms
2: it's always fun training is fun man uh, that's why we appreciate ACS allowing us to join them and it's really fun like Jake said it's always different people so you like you come in with uh, like a little bit of okay, what am I gonna do? what is he gonna do? what am I need, what do I need to work on? What are my holes? <laughs> and that's what's great about sparring people you don't see often because maybe for the whole week we're working on a technique and then they may be working on the counter on that technique we just don't know and we figure it out on Sundays when we spar and which is great because now you're now you're really thinking about fighting you're just not fighting. you have to be like, okay, this is what I need to work on. this is what I need to do in between rounds. This is what I need to adjust on because I'm getting hit with this because that's that's their main technique. I need to figure it out. We go back the next week. We work on their holes. Come back next Sunday, and we, every time we have a, a friendly battle.
0: Yeah, friendly battle, and it's always interesting walking into someone else's gym because you know there's always respect at, at, at PMA. Everybody's respectful. That's just the mm-hmm. culture that's there, and. You know, I'm trying to... When I walk into somebody else's gym, I just try and pick up. I'm like, okay, what is everybody doing? Because you don't want to do anything out of line if they have any Mm -hmm. traditions. Or I'm like, are they bound in the door, at the mat, at the back? Wipe your feet. Like, what's going on, you know? But just making sure being extra extra respectful and and thankful and stuff as well. It's one thing, but...
2: Just treat it like it's your house and you have no issues. Yeah. Just be respectful. Cool. We're going
0: to take a quick break on the FM, and then I'm going to give Grandmaster Garza a call if we can get him on here. I want to see if he has... Uh, some words, and I know he does because he's always <laughs> full of information, and I, I love any opportunity. I've been late to take my kids to school because Grandmaster Gars <laughs> is there, and I'm just like trying to soak it all in as well. So this is KTA Radio, ninety-nine point five FM. All right, so we're still uh, we're still live on social media, um, not on the FM right now, but I'm gonna I'm gonna text him real quick yeah. and see if he has an opportunity to talk to us i know they were doing some testing and they're always busy at pma mm. oh and i was talking um, to my buddy kurt and i was uh talking to some other people about some stuff because we want to do more i love co- you know combat sports and i was like man you know this i'm in this area i would I, I want to do something that i really enjoy doing i have fun doing all kinds of stuff but it, to do more like even the spar sparring nights that they really? have and stuff it'd mm. be cool to live stream that stuff
1: Yeah, and you did great at your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament, man. I was happy to come watch you compete.
0: Yeah, thank you all. Thank you all for coming. Yeah, it was great. My mom and, like, my cousins and some, uh, they are just like, we didn't know you are doing this. I was like, I didn't tell anybody. You (laughs) know, my wife knew and my teammates knew, and that was pretty much it. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, next time tell us. I was like, well, I didn't tell you all on purpose because I didn't know how it was going to go. You didn't want those (laughs) nerves to be there, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's extra, but I, I don't know. I don't know. But they were like, well, let us know next time. I was like, we'll see. That's we'll where you, you win and you learn, right? <laughs> that's what I yeah. told my
2: parents too. I was like, "You don't have to go. You'll, uh, I'll see you when I come back."
0: <laughs> I know after, it, but my wife, she was like, "Hey, hello, hello." But my phone, I didn't even, I didn't have, it. and I was like, "I'm fine. I'm not hurt." You know, like that's that's the win, for me. You know, like mm-hmm. I just, as long as I I don't get hurt and um and, and have fun, that was it. But it was well, cool. it's
1: it's fun to compete, and and the more you do it, the more fun that you're gonna have at doing it, right? It's when you take a long time in between in, in between that that you know that it's not so much when people talk about ring rust, it's not so much about ring rust, it's just you haven't experienced it in a while. And, and so your brain isn't used to it. But like the more you fight, the more your brain becomes used to it, the less uh, anxiety, the less nerves that you have.
0: So that's mm-hmm. the so <laughs> actually today is two years that I've been trained- that was my first time, two years ago that I went to PMA for a jujitsu class. Um, it was the seventeenth of December, and I put it in my ca- I put it in my phone, and it's just. And then I was like, "Man, that's cool that this works out on, on this day." I had Grandmaster Garza and Cody in, and I I'd-, I'd went in a couple days before, and Cody was like, "Come do a jujitsu class," and I was like, "When is it?" He's like, 5 a.m." I was like, "It's what? <laughs> what? When? <laughs> when? Are you- okay, um, you know I can do that. I-, I slept in what I was gonna wear <laughs> the next morning. <laughs> I- I'm not even joking. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I got to wake up at like 4:30 or like what time mm-hmm. am I getting up?" All right, it's not going to take that, that long to get there.
1: Speaking of, of uh, Kurt, I, I haven't forgot that the very first time I came on your show, he said he was going to come spar with me. and we Hey, we'll set it up after. <laughs> I got this camera right here. We will film, we will film <laughs> this
0: today. Um, so at the at the tournament, the feelings that I had, like those first times on the mat, they, were, they rushed back to me, and I didn't realize because I hadn't felt it in so long, but um, I was reflecting on it that Sunday after. And just how I felt, and um, and that's the same feelings that I had. And it was like I guess that adrenaline and just like Mm -hmm. my cardio was fine, my wind was okay, my energy was gone because I was like had someone in like (laughs) in half guard, and I was like trying to push up, Mm -hmm. and I was like I'm breathing fine, like I'm fine because I've I've been training my cardio and been rolling and everything, and like I'm I'm trying trying to push off my elbow and get Mm -hmm. this sweep that I know how to do up here, my energy was was gone, and I remember feeling that exact same way. The first times that I that I was on the mat at, at PMA, mm-hmm. and that's and I was like, well, maybe if I if I compete more, do some more tournaments, or get in those situations where everybody else's family and my teammates are watching me,
1: then <laughs> I'll get used to it. It's, it's great. not just controlling your breathing, right? It's uh, learning how to control the adrenaline. Like that's yeah. that's the the big thing. Um, like that's why I hear lately um, when I because we've been doing so much grappling, and grappling is exhausting. Yeah. Just. By itself, I mean it's never not going to be exhausting, and when I start feeling like I'm getting exhausted, I start actually like singing songs like while I'm grappling with my teammates. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it helps like just calm me down and just okay, let me work through this. So mm-hmm. it's,
2: it's like you got to think about everything without overthinking anything, because mm-hmm. if it it sounds weird, but it's true. The more you think about it, is okay. The more you're getting tired, because it's like okay, I'm getting tired. I feel it. I feel it. You just gotta yeah go blank. And you yeah, Kike,
0: you competed. You competed as well, and it's just interesting because it's like, hey, I have a teammate over here. Okay, I'm on the mat over there. It was just Mm -hmm. something that I've never been a part of like that before.
2: Yeah, we had a lot of guys. We had nine guys. (laughs) We've never had that that many competitors from from our team do it which was great but also like i said, coach andre armando myself we're trying to spread out but we're like at one point we had five people on the same like on the mats we're like i can't <laughs> i can't do this man i'm trying <laughs> to
1: catch pictures for y'all and i'm like uh all right who's on what mat? like yeah. and i'm trying to run around and my first, pictures
2: <laughs> Man, my
1: first note me my
0: first no gi match um and i saw some pictures later that you you had posted mm-hmm. and i was like hey, there's Armando, but I remember Armando, coach, he must have saw me on the mat and ran over mm. because halfway through the mat, he was like, hey, go do this. But he wasn't there at the beginning, and then I was yep. like, the picture is like, so at some point, he saw me and was like, oh, I
2: got to go yeah. and, and help. Blagging each other down. Hey, he's here, but <laughs> I got to go Tournaments over
1: there. get crazy, man. They get crazy.
2: But it, it's fun. It's, it's fun competing. Competing is fun, especially with your, with your friends, which are your, your teammates because you spend so much time with them. Those are your friends. Mm.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So we have some uh, – So this is from Diego. He said, you should do Submission Hunter Pro. Would you ever do a Submission Hunter Pro?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I actually, we were looking at doing two uh, different BJJ tournaments um, leading up to my fight, but then they they ended up being kind of too close to the fight. Yeah, And we don't want to go out there and, you know, twist an ankle or a knee or something like that so close to to my pro debut. Um, so, but yeah, no, I would love to, uh, start doing that. Um, I, not only do, do I train like really hard with, uh, Kike and Armando and, uh, Black Belt Josh and all those guys. Um, but I'm, I've always been fascinated by Khabib and I watch a lot of breakdowns of his style and watch a lot of like what he does. And I've started trying to learn some of that and implement some of that into my own grappling. Um. But I would say that I'm more definitely a, uh, like a pin-you-down-and-beat-on-you <laughs> kind of grappler than I am a submission grappler. That pressure, that's <laughs> hot pressure.
0: I can second that. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've, there's been some PMA guys that have been on Submission Hunter. I know, didn't Armando mm-hmm. do a Submission Hunter? One. Uh, Shannon. Shannon did Shannon, Submission yes. Hunter. Yep. And um, I feel like somebody well,
1: Yeah, some someone people's.
0: else. I know Dean was wanting to get on one, but I, I like Dean. I miss uh, you and Dean talking in the group. <laughs> in the group chat. It's like a bro-
2: <laughs> like brothers in there, right?
1: So I'm trying to see if Grandmaster Garza it gets that way in the group chat sometimes. Has some has
0: some time or
2: you spend a lot of time with them. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and you have a lot of uh, you know, type A personalities in the uh, world of combat sports, so. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, I feel like I don't I don't have an ego, but sometimes you get in situations and it's just like there's a little bit of an ego yeah. in there, just like yeah, a yeah. hard a hard-headedness or something like that. But for the most part, I feel, yeah, there's not really, there's not egos.
2: There's no yeah. egos, but remember, there's a little bit. but there's also confidence. So right, everyone yeah. has to be confident, but you have that little bit of ego that always pops up, and you're like, "Wait, what did you say?" Yeah, I, I would you say know, the but best it's great. way,
1: best way to describe it would be like, it's not that we don't have an ego; it's that we don't have an unchecked ego. I think that would be a, a better way to explain yeah. it. I, guess. Yes. I think anybody with a competitive nature does have an ego. It's just you got to know how to put it in check. There's yeah. a time and a place to to be open uber-competitive and, and not be uber-competitive.
0: Okay, so as, as we're waiting to see if Grandmaster Garza has some time, let's talk a little bit, uh, I guess, MMA, UFC, some other stuff as well. Uh, who are some, I guess, heavyweights that you look up to, you admire their their style or their game? You talked about Khabib's mm-hmm. grappling, which he's, you know, one of the best. What about some, some heavyweights?
1: So, um, I've always been a fan of Stipe uh, just because the work ethic that he has and continues to be a firefighter even though – he's training professionally like i know that i would love to get to a point to where i just fought all the time i was just a professional fighter you know and um but he chooses to not do that he he has the ability to do that and he chooses not to do that and i've always admired that from him um i like his fight and, and his fighting style too um man heavyweights there's a lot of good heavyweights coming up uh I'm trying to remember that tom aspinall from england he's on the uh, up in like coming up mm-hmm. i really like him he's got a great personality good fighting style um i went and watched the surreal gone derrick lewis fight here in houston um and i love derrick lewis but I this weekend yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, tomorrow yeah there's two heavyweight he fights, fights a, police, on the card. a police officer yeah yeah um but when i went to watch the fight you know i had told everybody don't count surreal gone out of this fight because of his movement and of his, he's probably one of the most calm heavyweights in the heavyweight division. Like when yeah. he fights, he's he never seems like he's rattled. He never seems like he's ex- exerting too much energy just out of nervousness. Like he's just bouncing around, moving, waiting for his shots and, and I really like, like that. Um, I tend to though really, pay more attention to the lighter weight classes because that's what I want to be as a heavyweight. I don't want to be... Skill-wise, skill right? Yeah, yeah. A so I, I pay more attention to some of the lighter weight guys. Like, George St. Pierre will always be my favorite fighter. Um, but uh, Wonderboy Thompson, um, guys like that, I really like enjoy watching them. The highly technical guys.
2: What about you, Kik Who do you watch? I uh, like, well, he doesn't fight anymore, but Randy Couture, you know, Frankie Edgar, Charles Oliveira, you know. Huge shout-out for him for getting the belt from Team Makako, which is uh, kind of our, I wouldn't call it, you know, brother-sister gym, you know, but James Markle, his black belt, uh, part of Makako Gold team, you know. He's Makako, he got his black belt under Makako, who also trains Charles, so that's really cool as well. You know, Charles Oliveira, Randy Couture, Frankie Edgar, uh, Khabib, because they're wrestling, of course. Those are the guys, just I like Mm high-level guys with a lot of intensity
0: yes when can we expect to see you back back in the cage oh man that's a really good question and we can see jake <laughs> jake in the corner grandmaster garza and, and some other people
2: you know well first i gotta finish school i'm yeah. almost done with nursing school but that's a very good question i gotta not be fat anymore <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's the big one because i wouldn't fight anywhere uh above 145 i fought at 135 and even then i was like always a shorter guy yeah so i gotta get back down in there but we'll see i won't say no yeah i'll just say that i won't say no
1: speaking of james markle too let me make sure we give him a shout out because i've gone to his gym and uh and trained up there with him and my very first fight was against somebody who trained out of out of james's gym and um i went up there and I, i trained with him and uh and and jungle bjj uh that guy's huge he's he's so good he 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 makes me look tiny and he competed at worlds and he's uh he's a huge help when uh when i get to roll with him
0: so outside of you know ufc i guess like in that fury circuit is there anybody that you would want to fight not necessarily Hmm. a call out but call him out
1: (laughs) um i don't know because i don't i don't know many of the pro uh, heavyweights in in there that's true because um,
0: like you mentioned some of these guys I mean you get a couple wins in, in fury and then you get called up
1: sometimes to yeah, the big
2: show yeah. right? I mean take his opponent for example he had one amateur fight and he went straight pro yeah right so
1: yeah and um, and, and the heavyweight division is is never been a I want to say like a deep division not not shallow as far as skill wise but shallow as far as the numbers go you know like because you got to think like most I'm 6'4", 260, most 6'4", 260-pound athletes are like, I'm going to go play football or baseball or basketball or something like that where I can make way more money and not have to get punched in the face. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it, there's not as much of a talent pool to pull from in the heavyweight division, so the rosters on most of your your larger organizations for the heavyweight division, are, are they don't have that many fighters. So... If you get up there and you look impressive and you string off a few wins in a row, you know, you're getting called up to these to these bigger organizations,
0: you know, making that decision to turn pro, you know, you had the you came off that, that last victory. Um, I guess what all factored in to saying, hey, the time is right right now
1: for me, you know, I'm thirty five. So and even though I don't feel thirty five at all, like I've, I feel like. From an athletic standpoint and um things like that like I, I still feel like i'm in my my 20s you know but unfortunately people don't ask you what you feel like promoters just see that that age next to your name and, it, and it's gonna start closing doors of opportunity for me just sheerly off of that number so I'm I couldn't spend too much more time in the amateur division like if i'm gonna make a run i gotta make a run now and i I was just telling my teammates last night when we were sparring like i my plan is at least another 10 years as a pro because I, i feel that good like i i one of the benefits i guess to not fighting in my 20s is i don't have the wear and tear that a lot of these other guys have at 35 because i didn't fight then so and that that can be a good thing and a bad thing, you know. If you, you yeah, you fight in your twenties, you have the the youthfulness and this that and another, but you're putting a lot of wear and tear. And then when you're in your thirties, you're more in your physical prime in your thirties because you're now you're fully matured, everything else. So I don't I have a fully matured body without without the excess mileage on it. So I feel like I can still fight another 10, 10 years or until they kick me out of the sport. I guess like <laughs> I I just love fighting. So like I don't plan on they're they're probably gonna have to make me retire yeah
0: or the the wear and tear of having an NFL career or Mm. being in some other pro sport because that's I mean those guys the careers aren't that long because of those major injuries yeah usually yeah
1: and I mean I've 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 been pretty pretty lucky been pretty healthy throughout my whole life nothing too major So, but I take care of myself too. You know, I I make sure I eat well. Like I said, I'm a strength and conditioning coach, so I don't really have an excuse to (laughs) not take care of myself. Although, early in my amateur career, you know, a lot of these guys I fight, they cut to 265. Yeah. And I was walking around at 260. So, um, I put on a lot of not good weight to try to deal with the weight of my opponents and It wasn't a smart idea. So over the course of my amateur career, I've slowly been just shedding that weight. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to train for performance. And what my body does, my body does, I'm not going to worry about where's, where's my weight at, because I'm never going to be over the 265 limit. So I naturally walk around in the 250, 260 range. So um, my focus has just been, I don't care what I look like. I don't care. What I weigh, it's how do I perform on the mats, and that's kind of where I've changed over at.
0: So um, you are, I think, the only heavyweight that I've had the opportunity and the honor to to interview, and I've interviewed you before, and now for the the pro uh, debut as well. But I've interviewed some guys who, bantamweights and some lightweights and you know middleweights and 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 I always feel bad that week of. yeah because i understand there's well there's all the training and the preparation but they're cutting weight and they're cutting like 20 pounds or however much they Mm -hmm. are and i'm like hey i don't want to disrupt anything but i'll try and interview him earlier and so i remember asking i was like hey can i interview in the next like week and a half and you're like you sent out you know monday or friday or whatever i said i guess he doesn't have that's right he doesn't have to you're not worrying about cutting cutting weight
1: i think um last time i weighed myself i was like 254 and um so I—I I mean, that's—I'm ten pounds under already, just training naturally and eating whatever, I, really whatever I want to eat. So, it's—it's it's pretty easy from from that standpoint. But if you look at some of the greatest heavyweight champions in the world, they weren't on the heavy end of the weight class. You know, Cain Velasquez consistently weighed in in the 230s, 240s. A consistently weighing in 230s, 240s. So you don't have to be that 300 pound heavyweight cut into 265 to be successful if your game plan is right.
0: You think you could, if you wanted to, you could cut to light heavywe-
1: heavyweight? No, no, no <laughs> uh, actually. Let's not do that. No. So I had some scans done and uh, even if I was uh, 1% body fat, I would still be like 227 pounds. Yeah. So there's, uh, I, I have very dense bones um, and, and I'm just a dense person. like. Most people who, when they see me walking around, they don't think that I'm 260 pounds. They, they're like, no, I thought you were like two thir- 220, 230, and no, I'm 260. And it's just I'm I'm really dense. So I don't, I don't think I can make 205. <laughs> 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 not safely, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's like trash bags and Epsom salt baths to get down to there.
0: Yes. Okay. Well, so let's see. It's just after 10 o'clock, and i um, having some fun in here. I don't know is there anything else that y'all want to share what have we not talked about anything else we need to
1: um I mean I'm just happy to come in and talk to you again man I'm always up for it and you know for me it's um, I guess one thing that that I would like to get across like I like being uh, able to promote my team because um, the thing is is like a lot of people think of MMA as a individual sport And the way that I've always viewed MMA is it's a team sport. I can't do any of this without my teammates and my coaches and and everybody else. The way I've always viewed it is if I win, it's a team win. And if I lose, it's on me because my teammates and my coaches put the work in and I just didn't do what I needed to do. So I think MMA is a very unique sport in that in that way that, you know, I kind of approach it from a. When things go right, like every it's it, it's it's because of the whole package. But when things go wrong, it's just on me, like I have to shoulder that. And um, like I think that's important for any fighter to to understand is how important it is to have your team around you.
2: Yeah, as a coach, do you agree? Do you agree with that, or what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree to an extent because also, for example, the he went five and two, the two losses. Yeah, he thinks it's on him, but it's also, man, why could I have done different? It's like that's my 35, 35 year old child right there. Bryce, you know?
0: Bryce Pittman said, "I'm gonna cry." <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I just had to read that comment. Okay? <laughs> yeah,
2: no,
1: but no, uh, <laughs>
2: it's at some point you have to be like, okay, as a coach, why could I have done better? Should I have teach something a little bit different? What concept should I explain different, or maybe have someone else explain it because he's not getting it how I do it. Uh, or how I'm um, saying it to him so it's sometimes it's stressful, but you have to find that uh, It goes again back to communication. How how can I be a better coach or how can we prevent that from happening? Or how do we prevent losses? Yeah, so it's stressful, but it's, it's fun It's a lot of fun
0: and and Sunday all the fun comes to it's the party, right? Fury FC yeah. 55 is taking place at the Houston Arena Theatre. Um, there probably are still tickets available I know that you can usually buy them and support a fighter as well, but I mean, did you turn those uh, in? I think
1: this time the online sales, they didn't, they weren't able to do like the support the fighter thing because yeah. uh, the venue, the tickets go through Ticketmaster. So, but you can still get them. Um, you can go to furyfc.tv. And then you click on the event, and it'll, like, take you through all the steps if you still want to get tickets. So,
0: What is it like fighting for Fury? You know, that, that promotion, it seems, I mean, they're doing some really big things and collaborating with UFC. The fights are on, on Fight Pass. They blast it on social media. Um, what is that like for you to have that opportunity?
1: You know, the, I got super blessed, lucky, whatever you want to call it, to, to get on with Fury because um, Eric runs— runs it like it's the biggest promotion in the world you know he like for him it's it he doesn't run it like it's just a regional promotion you know and he's he's him and his team his whole team uh burmaster all those guys have been working so hard to get where they are and now they've look they've signed a deal with the ufc where they're streaming on ufc fight pass and they're getting to fly out to the apex and um you know do all this stuff and then bringing in uh brandon morano coming in and doing being part of the commentating team and they're really growing fury really fast and it's it's just because they know what they're doing and they care about the fighters and they doing everything they can for to to get the promotion growing so i'm thankful to be uh with fury as uh, i when we decided to go pro that was the only option i was even thinking about was signing with Eric. So
0: Yeah, these so the only MMA fights that I've ever been to have been Fury events. And as far as I know, I, I think they're all that way. But then I'll see some of the experience that other fighters and gyms if you go fight it and I won't name any. I could. You know, the experience <laughs> that they have at these promotions and the the things that happen there that just seem you know, why would that happen? How could that happen? Mm-hmm. And that stuff doesn't seem to happen at at Fury. And so we're pretty blessed, you know, just as an MMA fan here in the Houston area to have something like that Available for us, and I mean everybody listening and watching you can go support these local fighters, and these are guys that are getting the opportunity to go to the next level to go participate in the UFC. Mm. you can see them before, or there's UFC guys walking around yeah. yeah they're all walking around like you go out to these events and I've had that the chance to go film and, and interview and stuff, and there's just guys you know walking around it's like man, I just watched you last weekend you know win the ultimate fighter, I just watched you mm-hmm. you know be Cowboy Cerrone you know like it's mm-hmm. these guys are there and it's a really cool thing right here in Houston you have the chance to go support that
1: yeah, yeah. Dana White's been there twice now I think uh, in in the audience and uh, Mick Maynard uh, one of the matchmakers for the UFC he's at almost every Fury event um, and Submission Hunter pros like I've I've talked to him several times at, at the different <laughs> events so um, and then you have uh, you got you know Mike the Truth Jackson works for Fury but he's still a UFC UFC fighter so um, get, it's a it's a big opportunity fighting for Fury and it, like I said just speaks volumes to uh, Eric and his team and the work that they put in to yeah. do it. Yeah
2: very professional yes. I, 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 he's very good at what he does. Anything else you want to share KK? Uh, no just thank you Jake for allowing me being your coach you know helping out shout out to All Guards Premier Martial Arts all the gyms that let us cross train shout out to Armando Ortiz, Andre, Kevin the OG's you know who you are Bryce, I hope you're crying. <laughs> you know, and all my other coaches, you know, Joseph Forsman, Cliff Fretwell, Brian Tolston, Jason Nelms. Outside of PMA because they also helped me uh, help them and help the other people, you know, and, and I really appreciate that. Well, thank you guys for making yeah, some time. I appreciate
0: you all, and, and I know that uh, Sunday it's going down. That victory's coming, and I'm excited for your pro debut.
1: I appreciate it, brother. Thank you.